on today's episode, we dive even deeper into the talent code. So we are going to break down chapter four of the talent code, which are basically the three guiding rules that create massive, massive fundamental changes to revolutionize the way that you learn, the way that you scale in business, the way that you scale your specific skills, and the rules that if you hold yourself accountable, set you above the rest, miles and miles ahead of the rest, and make things predictable. And this book is incredible, and I love how this is broken down and how simple it is to apply these principles into your life and business. And so... In the first couple episodes, we talked about deep practice, ignition, master coaching, and now it's about the rules. But I'm going to give you a quick preface before we get into today's episode. This episode will push you out of your comfort zone uh, if you apply it, as you should. When you flex a muscle at the gym, you push it a little bit to make it stronger so that next time you can do more and do it again. And that is no different when it comes to deep practice and applying these things to yourself. But I promise you, that if you apply these rules and you do it in excellence and you work on getting stronger, that this is the extra mile that most don't travel and you will take leaps and bounds of progress ahead of everybody else in your life and in your business. And so without further ado, let's cue the intro and then let's get into the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show, and we are diving into the talent code even deeper, and today we are diving into the rules, the three rules of deep practice, and so in the first couple of episodes and the breakdowns, we kind of broke down what, oh yeah, what deep practice is. <laughs> I was like, brain dump, that was what the pause, I couldn't figure out if I was going to say the talent code or... Um, deep practice, but what deep practice is, right? And deep practice is basically a mastery of specific skills to hone uh, and get you leaps and, leaps and bounds ahead, right? That's what deep practice is. And then we got into ignition. And ignition is finding that spark or that thing that lit you up to make you want to pursue what it is you want to pursue so that you always have the right fuel source and that thing to reference to measure your practices against. And then we get into master coaching which is about finding people that have walked the path that you've walked or cooked the recipe that you've cooked or been where you want to go. And that's coming to events like ours, coaching with me, my peers, our people, but with people that have been there and walked it, not just talked it masterly or have walked others through it. And that's one of my favorite analogies when you're talking about Olympians. Uh, you don't have to have done it. You don't have to have you know, tied or set the world record for being the fastest runner in the world to be one of the best running coaches, but you have to have helped other people navigate those paths. And that's what you're looking for. And so today we're going to get into the rules of deep practice. And I love this part because it breaks it down so simply. And for me personally, uh, this chapter is a chapter that I'm going through right now. And the how of today's podcast is something that I'm redoing um, as we speak. And Good news, our daughter Cheyenne, Lindsay and I were stoked. We went to her graduation yesterday. She graduated high school. 
which is absolutely incredible. And we are just stoked. And it's so interesting to have a six-year-old in our house and an 18-year-old high school graduate. Uh, but I love it. And we're making changes to business and life. And for me, I've made a lot of changes over the last couple of months uh, in a lot of very, very amazing ways. And it's sharpening me, but it's also stretching me. And I had a lot of tears this morning. I had a lot of tears yesterday. And those tears are kind of like releasing the past. And, and I'm I'm making all the right decisions and I'm making all the right choices. And, and today's podcast episode is so relevant to me, like 100%. And so this one's personally uh, something that's near and dear to my heart and I'm in the middle of now and something that I will keep every day for the rest of my life because it's made everything so simple and so easy. And so what are the three rules of deep practice? Well, the three rules of deep practice are defined by Daniel as the core principles that drive efficient and effective skill acquisition. They provide a framework for deliberate practice and intentional learning. And so we're going to talk about what the three rules are and then we're going to break them down. So the first rule is chunk it up. And so in chunk it up with deep practice, it involves breaking down skills or knowledge into manageable chunks, right? When we talk about this in customer journey, we talk about this in the movable middle from the chapter of the distance. If you're talking about this in the game of weight loss, you can't lose 100 pounds overnight, but you know that's your ultimate goal and you have to break it down into manageable chunks. So rather than attempting to learn or master everything at once, focus on smaller components or subscales. By chunking information or tasks, you can improve your ability to absorb and process new information, leading to more effective learning and skill development. And so when you think of the Eisenhower matrix, which we've actually talked about on this podcast, so it will be linked below in the show notes. Um, but in reference to the Eisenhower matrix, you can use that to help you decide which to start on first and the rest can live in your parking lot. Or you can even use the wedge of expectations as well when you think about how to create and set goals and chunks that you can achieve. And so as a reminder, as I've talked about it a few times in this breakdown and the episode is linked below, the wedge of expectations by default when you ask the questions kind of forces you to chunk down whatever that talent or skill acquisition is that you're looking for so that you don't have to ruminate on it long and you can find the action point. And so what's really, really important is the undertone of everything in this book, of everything in uh, skill development acquisition is mastery is intentional behaviors from where we want to go versus where we were. And so the longer we sit and think about what the next 10 steps are, instead of taking the next step, the longer we're, pro we're delaying our progress per se, right? Because we still have to take that bite and it doesn't matter what the next 12 or 13 are if the next two bites or the next three bites are still the same. And so chunking it up is literally the, the foundational rule from his book of any goal of skill mastery. And so you can think about this in the lens of entrepreneurship. If you want to launch a podcast and you've never, ever even recorded a show, well, to chunk it down, you might want to just start by saying, hey, I want to write out three ideas I would love to talk about in a three-minute video. And then you might want to do that until you get comfortable. And then you might like, I want to record a 30-second video and post on social media. I want to then do a five-minute live video. And then I want to do a 15-minute live video. And then I want to do a 30-minute live video. And now I feel comfortable to do a 30-minute podcast or you go from not running in 10 years and wanting to get back to where you were, you're not going to go out and pound the pavement at the same distance at the same pace, but you know where you can get back to. So you're going to say, okay, what's my next bite? So chunking it up is massively, massively important, which then brings us to rule number two. And rule number two is repeat it. 
And repetition is a key element of deep practice. It's not just mindless repetition, but deliberate and focused repetition. That's what I was just talking about in a minute, uh, a minute ago. By repeating specific actions, movements, or mental processes, you strengthen the neural connections associated with those skills. The repetition builds the necessary neural circuitry for skill mastery, i.e. it connects the parts of your brain that make it happen by default, which is really, really good, leading to improved performance over time. So you've heard me share on this podcast, and if you've heard me interviewed on other podcasts, over and over and over and over about going back up to bat and taking the swing, and then it's the reps that matter. And this is a reminder for you that the more you get up to bat and the more swings that you take to take towards mastering your desired skills instead of avoiding who you used to be, the faster you will learn the game. And this is a really, really important thing to understand because in the world that we live in, the world changes quite frequently. The world that we do business in, how we do business, people, and a lot of people feel punched in the face or overwhelmed when it happens, and I used to as well. And that's because I never spent time honing or sharpening the skills of me rather than the tool, which would then allow me when a new situation happens, a new social platform, a new currency, a new blank, a new opportunity to have the confidence to use my skills, not the tools necessary that I had to attack that and figure out what that is. And that comes from repetition. And the more that you can master your base skills, the more you're able to navigate unforeseen situations that you might not have been in before. And it's not something that you ever may, well, not that I know of that you ever master, because I sure as shit have not mastered it at, at any means. And if I had to grade it on a scale of zero to 100, I'd give myself like a, a 2.9%. And I'm really, really excited about that. And there's a lot of growth for that to happen. But repetition uh, is huge. And so that's why the wedge of expectations is huge, is because when you put that floor, what it allows you to do is not allow your whole day to get away and protect your progress, which is putting another rep in. And then if you can earn more, you can earn more. And then that's where the SOS model that I've talked about before, which is linked below uh, or somewhere around this, um, the SOS model is the thing that allows you to get back to that floor or ceiling to then get that rep in and learn what's next. And so then the third rule, and man, oh man, this rule is a rule that lands for me. You got to learn to feel it. Deep practice involves developing a heightened sense of awareness and sensitivity to the nuances of your performance. By paying attention to the feedback your body, your mind, and environment provide, you can make adjustments and refinements to your technique. Learning to feel and interpret these sensations is what helps you develop that intuition or that instinction. Uh, understanding of your craft or enhancing your performance. But I want to talk about this because this is really, really important. Learning to feel it is the big, big thing. It's like the Pandora's box that everybody wants to look for that has the holy grail in it because there is no such thing as compartmentalization. And so we can't have one without the other. And so we can't be in business and then try to avoid a hard conversation because it doesn't make our body feel good, but then expect to be a master and be able to master our emotions just on the positive side. And so I have been so bullish the last couple of years on this podcast and in my coaching and in my content because of my life about the importance of stillness. I talk about stillness. I talk about breath work. I talk about 
this a ton and I don't talk about it because it's just fun to talk about it. Most of you listening to this know my story, you know, um, what I've navigated or, or what I've, um, you know, chosen to do to heal. And in all of it, the one thing that I've always come back to that me, my friends, everybody that is successful shares in common is this deep desire to master the relationship with self and to be aware and responsible for every one of our emotions and how they make us feel and then eradicate them as fast as possible, knowing that we're always going to be working on it. But you have to learn to feel. Those feelings that are coming up are literally your body's check engine light saying, hey, you wanted mastery. Here's what's getting in the way. When you can sit with this and then process this emotion and then ask questions on the other side of like, okay, where is this showing up? Okay, how did I show up that created this? How could I show up differently next time? How can I bring this back into integrity? And then you find that clarity and you take that action you have now mastered that emotion or that trigger and you have an awareness of it. Now it will never go away again. You will just build a relationship with it. And as you build a relationship with it, it will go from, oh my God, this hurts to, oh my God, this feels good because my muscle's getting stronger. And I always use that analogy because it's what one of my therapists used that landed on me that helped me understand this is that if I take three years off from the gym and I go in and I start lifting every day for five days, Initially, the feeling of pushing that weight and the muscles and then the days that follow are really, really sore. And then um, the soreness I don't have a good feeling with. And then over a couple of weeks, as my body gets used to it, the soreness starts to go away and then my relationship to it changes and I start to see it as positive. And then when I don't work out, I start to want to go back to the gym to stretch my muscles to have that soreness because I have a positive relationship with it. And that's what this analogy landed for me the most with, with learning to feel it when it comes to mastery is when you chunk it up and repeat it and you learn how to feel it, your relationship with the feeling will change. And so all too often, and this is, I'm a hundred percent guilty of, and even to this day, it happened this morning, it happened yesterday. Um, I try to avoid doing this. Um, I try to avoid feeling it. I try to be like, oh my God, I'll just go do that thing or I'll try to distract from the feeling. And then the moment I catch it, I know that path isn't positive. So I bring myself back to, okay, what is this feeling? How do I clear this? Where is this coming from? Because no matter what, I'm going to end up there. I'm just trying to avoid collateral damage in the process, which is where the SOS and the wedge come from, right? And so when we stuff it down, when we avoid it, when we try to out-hustle the feelings, it doesn't allow us to get into deep practice and it doesn't allow us to find the actual reps and the workout that is going to allow mastery. And that is the uncomfortable part about this. And so as even as uncomfortable as these rules may make us, they are designed to push us out of our comfort zone. They're designed to stretch us, to make us choose behaviors that make us stronger um, and more resilient. Because that is, you know, our dear friend Alex Sharfin says, you don't have the business you want because you haven't become the person to run it. The practice of that is putting in these reps and stretching our comfort zones intentionally and proactively so that we have the capacity to hold that and see clearly through that rather than waiting for the world to punch us in the face and then us only react and only strengthen to that reaction and then get punched again because we never make progress. And so these rules are designed to keep it simple, to keep you in the work and keep you in practice. And, you know, the whys are, are endless. And, and this is the thing that I struggle with. It's so hard for me to tell 
tell you the why for you. And so I can only tell you the why's for me. And in the why's for me, I've learned at this point in my life that the only thing that matters is people. Uh, the only thing that matters is choosing joy and positivity, choosing to see the best in people. And no matter how bad or hurt or scary the situation is, always trying to find presence, knowing that any level of reaction is not going to help me in any way. And operating like that in life and in the same way in business and people matter all across the board. And I love doing what I do every single day. But I also know that I don't ever want to hurt anybody. I don't ever want to cause anybody pain. I don't ever want to offend anybody. And I do at times and I don't like that. And so this this level of mastery for me, why for me is I want to be an incredible father, an incredible example. And when people are around me, I want them to feel safe and I want them to feel seen. And I want people to feel nothing but love and the best about themselves when they're around me. And I can't do that if I don't feel the same way about myself. And this stuff for me is is really what, what makes the biggest difference and what allows me to smile, allows to give me purpose, makes sense of the life that I've had. Um, and it just so happens that from a level of life, it's very rewarding, the, the, the level of expertise that I, I've somehow accumulated and and what I'm known for and the accolades, the amount of respect that people give me because of my commitment to the practice. Like uh, my skills are incredible. My skill acquisition is incredible. And so it's really limitless for you. It's really, really limitless. It really lets you see and, and know that whatever it is that you really decide to do and deep down in the core, if it is the thing that ignites you and the thing that gives you the spark that we've talked about in this breakdown, if it's that thing, you're basically guaranteed to get it. But the only way is to be 100% in alignment and awareness and in integrity with your entire body. Like every ounce of you, your performance, every time you say something, do something, how can it be improved? Every feeling you have, like you have to master it. And so when you do this, though, it, 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 the, the, the speed at which you grow is, is exponential. And the excitement that comes with it. So, I mean, you'll optimize your learning process. You'll sharpen skills and improve performance. You'll be able to have an adaptability and growth mindset, which makes you open and be able to think with diversion of thinking and have creative ideas and not living in scarcity and negative and just, you know, bad, 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 bad. Like it, the, the, the waterfall effect of positivity is, is almost immeasurable immeasurable because when you get into deep practice around your talents right around the things that we're talking about which you already know that you have like that you know that light you up but when you get into deep practice about those things they are done at the behavioral level and every single thing that you touch outside of that just works it gets better and better and better and the more that you practice it the better it gets and so how do you do this well, incorporating these three rules of deep practice into your entrepreneurial journey or into your life journey anywhere requires intention and it requires discipline. And the three rules are truly the how. Like those three rules are truly the how. I want to give you some other tangible ways that you can apply and build on applying these rules effectively because those rules apply to whatever it is you want to do, whatever was covered in the earlier chapters, whatever you've uncovered in our podcast before, anything that you have. And when it comes to the intention, that is you being clear on what it is that you're mastering and what it is that you're committed to mastering. That's what the intention means. And what the discipline means is that you're committed to mastering it irregardless of how you feel. 
which means when you make that commitment and you might be working on level one of the mastery for 90 days and you commit to doing something every day, when you build your wedge of expectations, you set your floor and ceiling. And when you make that commitment, the discipline is I'm doing this no matter what. Nothing else in my life matters if this isn't done. That's what we mean by discipline because nobody is coming to do this for you. Nobody can make up, make you step it. Nobody can make you write it. Nobody can make you do it. Only you can. So that's what we mean. And so number one is create a structured practice routine. The way to win this game is through consistent and structured practice. That is that is the end no matter what it is. But if you don't set aside dedicated time for practice and stick to it, it will not work. So you need to treat these things as their non-negotiable appointments with yourself to prioritize your skills or your mastery. If you tell me that losing weight is important to you because you want to live longer or that you have a disease or you need to do something because your life depends on it, that means that when you make that commitment, that thing comes first. And anything that involves you that helps you at the core level should always come first, which is why we Myself, my team, everybody we coach, everybody we work with, all have morning routines that are about filling our bucket first, but you have to protect the routine. So when we teach our Lightkeeper Quadrants, this is what we talk about. I taught you how to build a bucket around your mind, your body, your being, and then your business. And that becomes what you put your wedge of expectation around and you put your goals into, and then you hold yourself to it like it's your life depends on this workout routine to do every day. So number one is that. Number two is to use visualization techniques. This could be guided meditations. This could be closing your eyes and just envisioning your life in the future. Uh, We're going to be making and releasing for you guys some guided meditations, uh, a sovereign meditation, some breathwork practices, and I'm bringing in some of my friends and business partners. We're going to be making these for resources for you and giving them out for you to use. So you will have those, but you can use exercises to enhance your deep practice. So Visualize yourself performing a skill or task with precision and success. Engage your senses and mentally rehearse the actions and outcomes. Visualization can reinforce neural connections and improve performance. So one tangible way that I do this is before I record this podcast or go on any other podcast or am about to give a keynote or run my event, I sit in some level of silence and sometimes there's music on, uh, sometimes there's not. And I literally run through the entire thing, like the whole thing, like how I want to show up, how I want to feel, like what it looks like. And I can do this in like a matter of like 10 to 20 seconds. Sometimes I do it longer, but just like to visualize the practice, to, to run through and, and retune my brain into like, I've done this before, or this is something I want to do. And I've already mapped this out. So I know, but just to reground myself back into the things that I'm doing or that I'm working on to make sure that I'm there. So that's what he means by, or what we mean by uh, visualization practices. So number three And this one is huge. Emphasize quality over quantity. While repetition is important, focus on the quality of your practice rather than just the quantity. Make every rep deliberate, purposeful, and focused. Pay attention to the details, refine your technique, and strive for precision in each rep. I've talked about this before uh, on the podcast in terms of content. I've also talked about it in the lens of integrity, but this applies more than ever to your deep practice. So focus on the small manageable chunks as mentioned as the wet in the wedge of expectations to not overcommit yourself to keep your integrity there. But if you think about everything in the lens of weightlifting, you would never let somebody you love 
put an extra 100 pounds on the bar because they can squat it once and they're convinced they can do it three times because they can do it really, really bad. You would never let them do that knowing that if they dropped 100 pounds, they could do 10 of them perfectly and they would actually get stronger. And if you think about your practice like that, if you think about your business like that, if you think about when you're writing emails like that, when you're going into meetings like that and you start to bring that level of intention and deliberation and purposefulness and focus to every area that you are in your life, every one of those areas becomes a new practice point for your deep practice, which brings us to point number four, which is create a supportive environment. I'll say this 1,000 times, environmental design, environmental design, environmental design, environmental design. You get the point. I talk about it. I've been talking about it. I'm going to talk about it more and more and more. But design your entire environment, especially your practice environment, to minimize distractions and create a space that fosters deep focus and concentration. Eliminate any unnecessary interruptions, turn off all notifications, and create a conducive atmosphere for deep practice. This is environmental design. And you have to chunk this down. But like for me, when it started and I had a home office, it started as the desk being like, all right, how do I want this set up? And only having items on the desk that held me accountable to my work. And then it went to the walls and then the rest of the room. And then that was my space. And I had rules. And the rule was I could only be in there if I was working. Like I didn't watch YouTube content in there. I didn't do anything in there. And that's how I did my environment, right? But then you also have like your laptop or your iPhone. Think about how cluttered those things are, like the desktop and digital clutter. That's an entire environment. And we spend more of our time locked into a digital environment, even though we're in our physical environment, than we do aware of our physical environment. But subconsciously, we notice our physical environment, which is why it matters so much. But you need to create a supportive environment. So Think about that in the lens of your physical space, wherever that is, okay? Getting rid of clutter, cleaning out your desk, putting out the trash, putting things that remind you of who you want to be or where you want to go, flowers or plants or pictures or books or like anchors, like I've talked about this extensively. And then think about your digital environment, the apps on your phone, the home screen, notifications, turn that shit off. Think about your background on your phone. Think about your desktop and your computer folders. Like anywhere there's clutter, that is not allowing you to be in deep practice because that environment, you're aware of it and it's pulling you out, right? And then you have your people environment, right? In our SOS model, we call this your inner circle, right? That environment dictates your success as well, right? Every success book talks about environmental designs and you're the some of the five people you're surrounding yourself with the most, right? I think that was T. Harvecker. I also think Napoleon Hill and and quite a few others. But environment matters. And if you think you're going to accidentally build your environment after you get a result, you're wrong. If you think of any Benjamin Hardy book that I've referenced, Nicola Perez books, any of these books that are helping you be better versions that you know work, every one of them says you have to design the environment first and then fill it. That's what Parkinson's Law states. Uh, We will fill whatever container we create. And so you have to create the new container and then fill yourself into it. That's what we mean by stretching. And your environment is the one that has like one of the biggest impact. Thinking about the reminders where you put your protein out next to your keys, your supplements, things that you do to remind yourself why you're doing this are the things that hold you accountable. That's your environment that holds you accountable to your deep practice, which then brings us back to number five. Not back to number five, to number five for the first time 
but the last point, which is to track progress and celebrate milestones. Keep track of your progress to measure improvement over time. I'm telling you, you need to celebrate every single win, but you need to document your greatness. It is a game changer because when you have a bad day, it's so easy to remember to read the book, The Gap and the Gain, and then to turn around backwards and look at the gain that you've made, and that will eliminate anything in your way, which will allow you to get back into deep practice. It's motivation. It's a reinforcement of your efforts. Recognize and celebrate every ounce of incremental progress. And I literally have my team in a form every week share their wins for the week. And so then we've shout out fellow team members as well. And this creates an environment that we spread across the world. We have a Slack channel called Rainy Day. And every single day we're on social. If we see any positive comment, uh, if we see anything, we put it in that folder. And I use that as my environmental design on Slack, but I also use it to see that we're making progress. And so we literally celebrate everything. Of course, we get punched in the face. Of course, things get hard and we fix those things, but we celebrate every win because any moment you choose to make something better or take another bite or make another ounce of progress, you've already won the game. And so speaking of progress, that is the best place to wrap today's episode when it comes to chapter four on the three rules of deep practice. So remember the rules. Rule number one is chunk it up. Rule number two is repeat it. And rule number three is learn to feel it. Okay. The five ways, just as a quick reminder, create a structured practice routine, okay? Use visualization techniques, emphasize quality over quantity, create a supportive environment, and then track progress. And so for you, what this does is this allows you to hit flow state, which we've talked about before, but flow state really for me means taking a committed action regardless of how I feel, which then reminds me and gets me really excited to kind of drop in and keep going. But we talk about it with customer journey. We talk about it in life. When we get into momentum, when we get into consistency, that is flow state. And when you get into designing your life and your environment and everything that we talked about here, your goals, what you want to achieve in your deep practices, into that consistency, which creates that momentum, you enter flow state. And that is where you start to win the game and you know what's in your tank and that you're going to win. It's just a matter of time. And so for me, I think what's really, really important is that you pick at least one from the list that I gave above and put it into your life and practice immediately. And if I had to pick, if you had came to me and you said, George, of this entire list, what number of the five ways that you gave us is the one that would allow me to chunk it up, allow me to repeat it, and allow me to learn to feel it the most? And that would hands down be environmental design everywhere that I labeled out. And then in that environment, consistent reminders of your wedge of expectations that you committed to, chunked it up so that you can repeat it and you can feel it, no questions asked. And so I think that's a perfect place to end today's episode, to end today's chapter, and to end summary because I drank a lot of water. You know what that means. I don't need to give you TMI. Okay? So we're just going to wrap there. That had nothing to do with my talent, my podcast, or anything. And so I apologize already. I, I don't know why I did that to you. But I did enjoy this episode. And this is a great reminder because I am chunking it up and doing a workout right after this to get back to work and outline some more. So I love you guys. I appreciate you immensely. So this was about chapter four, the three rules of deep practice from the talent code. We have more coming. If you haven't listened to the first three, uh, go listen to those. If you haven't listened to anything that I referenced, the wedge of expectations, the SOS, 
the things and the books, I highly recommend you grab them. I only recommend them because I know they work. We have thousands and thousands of people that have validated they work. So I want you to have them and I want you to use them. So make them a part of your intentional design and a part of your environmental design as you consume that content and put this stuff into work. So every day, even if you haven't started with any of it, start right now and just start today and consistently go. So without further ado, I'm going to cue the outro, but remember that relationships will always be the algorithms and the most important one will always be with yourself. And here's a roadmap and an exact way to get there perfectly. Have a good day. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.